These are the tribulations of Paulette. Once again, divine intervention comes between Ted and me, deep in the Connecticut woods and locked in a juicy kiss in the back of Ted's car. We find ourselves wrapped up in a triple X fairy tale. A voyeuristic deviant, let's call him Jack, has stumbled upon our illicit little scene. Now he whacks his beanstalk in approval as Ted and I scramble to lock the car. Ted scrutinizes the situation like Bill Belichick while I lie prone in the tailgate. Okay, gross. He's done. Don't look, Ted says. He's still watching us. Oh, now he's moving behind a tree. What if he has a knife, I ask? Shh, Ted says. I think he's going away. Lying in the back of Ted's car, my mind races through the inherent danger of our situation. What am I doing here? Why couldn't we be enjoying club sandwiches and slot machines at Mohegan Sun? Was Ted too cheap to take me out to lunch? Once again, I went along with a hormonally engineered joyride. I foresee the tragic headlines in the Boston Herald. Shirtless mother of three taken hostage by knife-wielding perv. At last, Ted announces, okay, the coast is clear. We stare at each other in disbelief. Let's get out of here, Ted says. As I step gingerly out of the car... I expect Ted to run interference for me in case pervert Jack is still in the area. No such luck. Ted stands behind his car, leaving me to navigate for myself. Meet you at the park entrance, he says, as I back out of our high-risk hideaway. In Ted's car at the entrance to the park, we discuss next steps. I think we should call the police, I say. No way, Ted says. We'd have to leave our names and addresses. Ingrid and Dave would find out. But Dave already knows I was meeting you, I say. He doesn't know where you met me, though, Ted says. I should just go home, I say. No, Paulette, please don't leave. We still have the whole afternoon. He strokes my cheek. I think we have some unfinished business. Right. But where are we going to go now, I ask. Follow me, Ted says. I've got an idea. Ted's idea is two miles down the road, and it is called the New Delhi Motor Lodge. It appears that more than one group of Indians is profiting from the economic boom in southeastern Connecticut. The New Delhi Marquee boasts king-size beds, jacuzzis, and brunch. Hey, who pays your household bills, Ted wants to know as he leans into my car. Uh, I do, I say, wondering how this is applicable. I hate to ask you to do this, Ted says, but you need to go inside and get us a room. It's the only way. Ingrid looks at all our bills. This will never get past her. Before I can say Papa Dom, I'm standing at the front desk before an earnest-looking desk clerk wearing a name tag that says Mr. Singh. I make small talk with him to ward off any suspicion of impropriety. Yes, I say, I just met my husband in the parking lot. He's come in from New York, and I came down from Boston. The casino hotels were booked, and we're hoping to have dinner there, but right now we're absolutely famished. Do you know of a good place to eat around here? I babble on and on. By the time I sign the credit card receipt for the Taj Mahal suite, Mr. Singh knows where I went to college and the names and ages of my kids. 
I wave Ted in from the parking lot and introduce him to Mr. Singh, who politely inquires if he can retrieve our luggage. Thank you, uh, that won't be necessary, Ted says. I pipe in. Oh, I brought so much stuff for just one night, I'm a little embarrassed. None of this phases Mr. Singh, who leads us to the elevator and motions us aboard. We take the elevator to the second floor. As the door opens, two very tall blonde women in Prince Valiant haircuts and shades, both of them dead ringers for Michael Caine and Dress to Kill, muscle their way into the elevator with black trunks and duffel bags. Please, please, we are getting out, says Mr. Singh as he and I step out of the way. Ted is not so lucky. He is caught up in the strap of a carry-on bag and is pushed to the back of the elevator. I hear him say, hey, as the elevator door closes. Mr. Singh and I watch the elevator indicator as Ted rides back down to the first floor. One long minute later, the elevator is back on too. A miffed Ted emerges. That was really weird, he says, and Mr. Singh apologizes. The hallway is heavily carpeted and smells like glue. The walls are papered in dark red brocade. Brass sconces light the way, a burnt-out bulb or two here and there. I admire the decor. Mr. Singh informs us that this is a family business, and he will pass my compliments on to his parents. We're ushered into the Taj Mahal suite, and Mr. Singh gives us the grand tour, 700 television stations, ending with How to Work the Jacuzzi, located smack in the middle of the room. Very modern, he says. At last, Mr. Singh says goodbye, promising to hook us up with some good food. Ted chain bolts the door, and I go in to use the bathroom. When I step out, the jacuzzi is filling up. To my surprise, Ted is in it. Care to join me, he asks. My initial reaction is, ew, which I keep to myself. I mean, who exactly has been in this room before us? It's one thing to kiss with all your clothes on, and it's another thing to kiss with some of your clothes on, but what Ted wants me to do now requires no clothing. Misgivings abound. First, Ted hasn't seen me naked in years, and three kids tend to do things to a girl's body. What to do? What to do? I'm already clean, I say. That's not the point, he says. I think you'd like this. I start to stammer. I, I, um, let me check my email first, I say, reaching for my phone and playing with commands on it randomly. Ted sighs, stands up, wraps a towel around his waist, and kneels down in front of me. You're scared. I just didn't expect to go so fast. It's okay, he says. Let's, let's slow down. He takes my face in his hands and starts to kiss me again. One thing leads to another, as it always does, and soon I am in the all-together, stepping into the jacuzzi with Ted. It feels a little silly having a bath with a guy. Does anyone our age still do this? I imagine the look on my husband Dave's face if I were to suggest conjugal ablutions. You want to what? Ted and I slosh around to get in the right position when there's a loud knock at the door. Ted yells from the tub, Who is it? It's Mr. Singh, comes the muffled reply. We stare at each other. What do you suppose he wants, Ted whispers. You better see, I say. Quick as we were in, we're out. I head to the bathroom with my clothes and Ted goes to the door. I hear him say, oh, good to meet you. And then, 
Oh, that's really sweet of you. You didn't need to do that. Then I hear a knock at the bathroom door. Paulette, Ted says, are you dressed yet, darling? Come out and see this nice surprise. I jump back into my sweater and trousers, sans underwear. When I come out, all the lights are on in the room and the curtains are open. A huge room service cart, laden with covered dishes, hovers by the whirring jacuzzi. An elderly Indian man is rearranging the furniture. Honey, say hello to Mr. and Mrs. Singh, Mr. Singh's parents. They heard we were hungry and have an Indian buffet just for us. Mrs. Singh is formidable in the whole nine yards. She steps forward to take my hand. Thank you for coming to the New Delhi, she says. Please sit down, relax, and let us serve you. Compliments of the house. Ted, still in a towel, hurries to the bathroom with his clothes. Mrs. Singh pours me a mango lassi, while Mr. Singh helps me into a chair and turns off the tub jets. It feels odd to be wearing no underwear with this strange couple. I am offered a basket of garlic naan. I take a polite bite. Ted emerges from the bathroom fully dressed. Well, what do we have here, he asks, winking. Garlic, I say. Now it's your turn to join me. There are mountains of food. The Sings serve us, then step outside while we eat. Fate has thrown us another sidewinder. The formerly frothing jacuzzi is now a silent reflecting pool here in the Taj Mahal. I point this out to Ted, who says, chewing, just like the real thing. Time eventually runs out on any prospect of resuming our lip lock. Stuffed to the gills, with my underwear in my handbag, I bid Ted adieu in the parking lot just as the New Delhi Motor Lodge sign blinks on in the waning afternoon light. There is much to be thankful for. We didn't end up in the hospital this time, nor were we arrested for getting high. A sexual psychopath could have murdered us in the woods, but instead, hospitable Indians fed us in a premier hotel room. At the very least, we got our money's worth. Back in Boston several hours later, my husband Dave walks into the kitchen and sniffs. Mmm, he says, what do I smell? Lamb vindaloo, I say. Where'd you get this, he asks. Picked it up in Connecticut, I say. That's a long way for takeout, he says, as he cracks a beer and walks out of the kitchen. Dave, I couldn't agree more. These are the very cool sounds of Mr. Eric Fontana. Next, two Jews and a dead dog. Till then, ta-ta. Have made